Did, uh, did y'all know I'm a grandpa? Do you know that? I just thought I'd tell you in case you didn't know. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Sylvia Page, all six pounds, 13 ounces of her is doing fantastic. And um, we call her Sylvie. That's what we call her. We call her Sylvie. And she really, she's great. She's doing great. Mom and dad are great. Grandpa's doing great. Great, great grandpa's doing great, great. Everybody's great. Um, and speaking of great, um, how about Mr. Matt Cox stepping up to the plate last week? Um, that was great. That was great. Um, he literally did not know until obviously the last minute whether or not he was going to be um, going on, on go or not. Um, we went in on Friday, and but we, you know, she went in, I tagged along, but, but went in on Friday, and I'm thinking, no way that's not going to be over by Sunday morning. Well, sure enough, it wasn't over by Sunday morning. And so for um, a young man to, to step up in the last minute like that, and for it to be, honestly, his, his first sermon, um, I've seen people preach 100 sermons and not do that good. Um, I appreciate him very much filling in for us last week and, and doing that everywhere. I'm just guessing, but you probably didn't have as good a week as I did. It'd be hard. I'm just saying it'd be really hard. It would be tough for you to have as good a week as this grandpa has had. Um, and, and in fact, maybe it was one of those weeks because they come along. You know those, those weeks that come along where everybody needs something from you? Mm-hmm. Seems like everybody that calls you is because they need something. Everybody that wants to talk to you is because they need something. Well, I want to encourage you today that the one we have come here to worship understands that. He does. In fact, I want to show you what it says in Luke chapter 5 just to get us started today. Luke chapter 5 verse 15 says, Yet the news about him, now the him here is Jesus, the news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Now, when you read the Bible, you get the picture, that's a regular day for Jesus because the word gets out. That This man has some things to say that you just need to hear. you got to go hear him. And oh, by the way, he, he has the supernatural power to heal. He can do miracles. And so when the word gets out, the crowds show up. And people just keep on showing up, and they keep on showing up. You ever have those days where everybody needs something from you? And maybe you would be the one who goes, Jeff, that's my whole life. I feel like that's every day. I feel like that this, it's just all, people always need. There's so many responsibilities. There's so many needy people just so busy. Well, what do we do? I wonder what Jesus does. I mean, he could start going into the office a little earlier, staying a little later. That's what you do, right? When there's a lot to be taken care of, you just go in a little earlier, stay a little later. Um, he could hire another assistant. I mean, I know 12 is kind of a big number in, in Jewish history, but, I mean, business is business, right? You, you got to respond to growth. But 13, 14 disciples wouldn't be that big a deal, right? Just had a couple of assistants. I, I, he could probably somewhere 
probably find a, a time management course. Jesus, maybe you could enroll in a time management course, figure out how to squeak a little more out of every minute of your day. Here's what it says he did, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. He withdrew. Like, seriously? Jesus, is this really a good time to withdraw? I mean, is, is this, there are sick people, and they're showing up. Sick people showing up. Who, they, they need you to help them. There are people who need to hear the words that you have to speak. Is this, is this really a good time to take some time off? But what we know in this verse, Jesus knows something so powerful, and he also wants you and me to understand it. It doesn't just say that he withdrew to lonely places. It says that he withdrew to lonely places and what? Prayed. And he prayed. That's what I want to talk to you about in this series. And I want to frame it with an experience that you will understand, um, especially if you've ever flown, as in a plane, in a plane. All right? So if you've ever traveled anywhere in a plane, um, you're, you're going to get this. And if in the three of you who haven't, I'll ex- I'm going to explain it to you. All right? But most of us get, get traveling in a plane somewhere. What I'm going to describe seems like such an insignificant part of the journey. Because when you're traveling, you got to have a passport, right, that's up to date, and you got to get figure out the right ticket, and, and you got to make sure that there's not a hurricane where you're trying to land, and, and luggage needs to get there, and there's just all kind of stuff involved in travel. This seems so insignificant, but it's actually required. When you step onto that airplane and you end up finding your seat, you will hear something like this. At this time, make sure your seat backs and tray tables are in their full upright and locked position. Make sure that your seat belt is securely fastened around your waist. And at this time, all portable electronic devices must be set to airplane mode. Anybody heard? Yeah. All electronic flights, they, they must be set to airplane mode. Now, let me explain this real quick, for, for, seriously, for the few of you that don't know what airplane mode is, all right? On, on, a, on a smartphone, there is a, a little button. Um, you just slide it. it it's, it's airplane mode. It doesn't turn the phone, for example, off, but it does suspend radio frequency signal transmission. In other words, it gives you access to your phone, for example, And let's say there is an email that needs to be written and sent. There's a text that needs to be crafted and sent. Well, while you are on the plane, in airplane mode, you can still access a text, an email, whatever it is, and you can type it out. You could save it if you're on an iPad or or a computer or whatever it is. You, you, You can save it, but you can't send it. In other words, you have access to the device, but you don't have access to the outside world. So you can use it, but you can't get a text, you can't get a call, 
You can't get anything, and you can't make a call, and you can't send a text, and you can't. So you got access to the device, but you, you don't have access to the outside world. In other words, on a plane, airplane mode is limiting. But with what Jesus models for us in prayer, airplane mode is empowering. And it's actually the key. The key that you need most days when it feels like everybody needs something, there's not enough minutes in the day to get done what needs to get done. I am telling you, getting to where you need to be requires some time in airplane mode. It is true for a, a geographical destination. If you're going to fly to Togo, you've got to spend some time in airplane mode or, or you're just not allowed to go. You, it's a requirement. You've got to go in airplane mode. But I'm also telling you that if you're going to get to where you want to be spiritually, you've got to spend some time in airplane mode. Now, I believe the Bible teaches us that when it comes to prayer, it really is the life that prays. In other words, prayer, prayer is what is available to us in terms of we can be in touch with God anywhere, anytime, right? Can, can we pray right now? Sure. Can, can you pray on your way out of here in a couple hours because you're all going to stick around for Bible study, right? Can you pray when you leave? Yes. Can you pray this afternoon? Yes. Anytime, any place, whatever the circumstance, you, you can pray. It is also true that we are not to be an isolated people. It, it is true that the great commission that Jesus gave us is not to be hermits who live in a cave hiding from the world. But what we do see modeled for us is that Jesus said there is value in some intentional time in prayer in what we're going to call airplane mode when everything else is shut out and we just see him. Now what Jesus models in Luke chapter 5, he actually does some teaching on in Matthew chapter 6. And so that's what I want to show you a little bit of this morning. Matthew chapter 6, is, is, I, I want you to hear how Jesus said it. This is the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard of it, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. Th this is what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Listen to what Jesus says here. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm saying that is prayer in airplane mode. You go into a room, you shut the door. In other words, all the other stuff for at least this, this brief temporary moment is pushed out. The rest of the world shut out. And you close the door so that you can just focus where you need to focus. Now, I, I, I all the time so try to encourage people not to overcomplicate prayer. Because we have a way of thinking we got to overcomplicate everything. Now, prayer is supernatural. So it is complex. 
But listen to me. Prayer is also very simple because at its basis, it is a conversation between you and God. It really is that simple. A conversation between you and God. And Jesus is going to teach us that there are some reasons we are instructed to pray. And some reasons that we need to pray in airplane mode. For example, here's what he's going to say. God wants us to care more about what he thinks than what others think. He does. God wants us to care more about what he thinks than what others think. Now that ought to sound familiar in the series we've been in on pride because we've been talking about the pull we have for approval from other people. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals with that stuff. And so he talks about things like when you give, right? Don't you have a tendency that you want everybody to know how generous? And when you fast or when you pray, he said, you want everybody to tend to see how spiritual you are. Airplane mode in prayer helps me stay centered on what God thinks, not on what everybody else thinks. When the door shuts and it's just me and him, it changes how you pray. Look at verse 5. Go back to verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus is going, come on, you know this tendency. People love, love when they pray in church for it to sound really good. And, and they love when, when they pray in public for it to sound really good. But he said if the goal is for you to pray in church and pray in public and people think, ooh, that was good, he goes, then that's the reward. That's it. When your goal is to impress people, you worry about eloquence. You worry about your words. Am I saying this the right way? Do they think I'm an idiot do I sound like I have prayed two other times in my life before now but when you meet with God who already knows everything about you and you know no matter how eloquent you become you aren't impressing him he knows who you are then it just becomes a conversation between you and God the Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I, am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Jesus said, I want you to go into airplane mode. I want you to spend some time in airplane mode talking to your heavenly Father because he wants you to care more about what he thinks than what others think. But look at what else we learn. He also says, God wants us to know that our prayers don't depend on our prayers. Now don't give up on me yet until we can talk through what I mean by that. Our prayers don't depend fully on our prayers. We have a way of thinking that the success 
of our prayers are really determined by how good we pray them. Sometimes we think the success of our prayers are, okay, is it long enough? Have I prayed long enough? Did I tag enough in Jesus' name on the end? Did I get all the phrases? Did I, did I, did I get it in the right? We think the success of our prayer is about how we pray it. And what Jesus reminds us is that the success of prayer is about who we're actually talking to. The success of our prayer is about the person on the other side of this conversation. It's about how good he is. It's about how faithful he is. It's about how powerful he is. It's about how loving he is. Look at what he says, verse 7, Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Because what do they think? They think that the success of prayer is connected to the volume of the words. In other words, if I'm praying a long, 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 long time, and if I'm praying, you know, uh, with the right words, and, and then this will be successful. And he's saying, no, it's not about the volume. Time out. I lost it. Isn't it interesting? Can't get it right. Isn't it interesting that a few more verses down the line here, Jesus is going to give us what we often call the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. And we, we will look at it to some extent in this series. But isn't it wild that there's a whole bunch of people who believe that if you pray the Lord's Prayer, like over and over and over and over again, that, there's, that, that God will, there's something to you, pray it over and over. And isn't it wild that we, we're thinking that in the context of a prayer that right before it, Jesus said, don't get hung up on the repetition of your words. Don't get hung up on just thinking that you're, you're talking, 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 and the more that you talk, the more, the more, he's saying, no, that's not what this is about. Look, look at verse 8. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Whoa. Now, that kind of changes things. But after all, he's God. He really does know it all. That should include what I need even before I need it, even before I know that I need it. So let's get practical. Come on, let's get practical with what we're talking about here. Most of us in the room absolutely know what I'm talking about when I say it is often uncomfortable to pray in a group of people. And people go, yeah. If I'm going to be honest, it is often uncomfortable to pray in a group of people. And like, I'm not going to do it. I won't, I won't do this ever. But if I like right now, just like close my eyes. Some of y'all are starting to sweat. And then I, I just like pointed and said, pray for us right now. 
for the people described in the early part of this, it'd be like, got it, right? But for a lot of people in the room, you might not ever come back because it's just panic mode. Do you understand why we're like that? It's because we're wrestling with exactly what Jesus said we tend to wrestle with. We worry more about what people think than we do about what God thinks. And we think that somehow our prayer really is attached to the the eloquence of our words. I mean, he's right on, isn't he? It's amazing. So here's what happens when we tend to pray, all right? I'm being honest because I've been, been, this is my world, okay? Because they always ask me to pray, all right? They always ask me to pray. So we're in a group, all right? And what are you doing when people are praying, listening? Because I'm listening for what's already been said, and you're trying to find something that hadn't been said, right? And so instead of the way it should work is in a group of people when they're praying, you really ought to be engaged with what they're praying. And so somebody says something, and in our heart we're just like, yes, God, that, that's where we are too. And we are in agreement, and we're asking you for that, and we're zeroed in on, yes, God, that, that is, that's exactly what your word says. And so we're, we're, we're calling out to you, but, but instead our tendency is we're thinking through, what am I going to say, what am I going to say, what am I going to say, because in a few minutes it's going to be around the circle, and it's going to be to me. And you know how it works. It gets like two people from you and they pray what you were gonna pray for don't they and you're like oh they just that was what I was gonna say and that's why praying in groups becomes this panic mode for us it's because we often have missed the very basic picture of what prayer really is and that it's okay sometimes to just go God Everything that they just prayed it is exactly what I agree with, and I'm just grateful for the chance to join with this group of people, right? Sometimes, let me take some pressure off of you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, I want you to listen to this. Take some pressure off of you. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Here's what he goes. Here's what he says. Here's, Here's what I already know. Sometimes I don't have the right list. Sometimes I don't have the right prayer list. And he does have the right prayer list. The Spirit of God who knows all. He, 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 he intercedes, it says, for us. He is the one who, who knows but also loves and has the power to make the adjustments when, when I'm not even praying right. I'm trying to, but I, don't, I may not know what is needed. I don't know exactly what I'm asking for isn't what's best. He knows all that, and he intercedes. He makes adjustments. Oh, my goodness, that should take some pressure off of you. Let me give you another verse, verse 34, Romans 8, 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
You got some good help in prayer. You really do. He has set you up to succeed in prayer. That Jesus is going to say, God, here's, here's, what, here's what your child is calling out to you. And, 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 and because it does align with what I know that your heart and will is, I'm, I'm putting my name on it. And I'm asking you that you would do this for me, for them. That makes it a perfect prayer request. Perfect. Did I... Um, that's how you am, my grandpa. I spent some uh, time in the hospital last weekend. Prayed some. Prayed some. Um, again, we went in on Friday. Um, Whitney didn't have Sylvie till Sunday morning, like right before. Um, this gathering would have happened. And so in that, in that time frame, um, from time to time, um, I would step away and, and just pray. And even when I wasn't stepping away, obviously I was praying, but there were even some moments to step away and, and just pray. There is, a, um, there is a place there at the hospital on the, the second floor, which was a different floor from where she was, but there on the second floor, there's this huge window that overlooks just a, a wooded area, tons of trees, and there's, there's like some man-made, you know, ponds, little, little fountains and all that stuff. It's, it's really pretty. I mean, it's a cool-looking place for a hospital. If you've got to be at a hospital, at least it's something to look at and in terms of it feels like you're, you know, not in the hospital for a moment. And there's a, there's a chair there that... Um, I jokingly say now, it kind of feels like my chair. I spent some time in that chair last weekend, uh, praying for my daughter, praying for my uh, son-in-law, praying for my granddaughter, praying for Sylvie. Now, I knew what I wanted, right? I was ready for her to get here. Everybody be safe, everybody be, be, be healthy. I, I knew what I wanted. But I also knew that God knew perfectly what they all needed and exactly when they needed it. I was wanting to meet Sylvie for the first time as she made her appearance in this life. But if what Jeremiah says is true, I'm talking to the God who already knew her before she was formed. He has always known that she would be and that she would be at this moment. That's who I'm talking with. I kind of call it my chair because I've been in that chair before about 18, 19 months ago. It's the same window, it's the same chair that I sat in when my sister was sick. I knew she was dying. Um, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted. I wanted her to be well. But I knew that I was talking to the God 
who perfectly knew what she needed and when. And the fact of the matter was, Angie was making her last appearance in this life. But according to 2 Corinthians, to be away from the body is to be at home with the Lord. And he says, what is mortal is swallowed up by life. In other words, there, there is a life greater than this life. And the God that I was talking to in that chair 18 months ago was the God who made all that possible. Here's my point. Who in the world am I to be making requests about life and death? What do I know? I know what I want. But thanks be to God that the success of our prayers are not based on our eloquence to form words in those moments. And thanks be to God that it's not about our repetition of just if I go over and over and over, somehow I can, I can work hard enough at this and somehow I can get God to care enough about this and somehow maybe God eventually would, would just love and even if he doesn't love, eventually he would just do it because he's ready to get rid of me and shut me up. I'm thankful that it's not just about repetition. Thank goodness that God already knows all that is needed and even if I mess it up, the Spirit of God and the Son of God are making intercession for me and they step in the gap and make it right. That whether it's my brand new granddaughter or my sister, his goodness is how he's going to Now, believe it or not, that doesn't make me lazy when I pray. The fact that he intercedes doesn't make me want to go, well, why do I even need to pray anyway, right? Why do I need to pray? If he, if he knows what, what really is best, then why? It, it actually doesn't do that for me. It actually makes, it really drives me more to the chair, to be honest. It drives me more to the window. It drives me more to want to be there. It motivates me to pray because I know that this is how much God loves and this is how he acts in our lives. This is how he covers us. Jesus modeled and he taught us to ask. In the, in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he will say, ask. You got to ask. You, you need to ask your father in James it says you do not have because you do not ask God then the question is then okay then but why why pray then and one is I'm convinced that he wants you to know that he answers you may not understand it in the moment but he wants you to know that he answers but even bigger than that he wants you to know him and when you pray you are closer because come on we understand this this morning when you communicate you are closer when you don't communicate you grow distant and there is one overarching reason really that Jesus calls us to pray here I'm gonna read it so that you see it when you pray verse 6 Go into your room, close the door, in the airplane mode, and pray to 
your who? Father. Pray to your Father. No, you can't see him with your physical eyes right now. But your Father, who sees you, he, he sees everything that's done, even that which is in secret, he will reward you. Here's why you pray. He's your Father. Here's why you pray. He's your dad. Come on, get this, get this picture. He doesn't need anything from you. Nothing. He needs your help on nothing. God doesn't need us to bail him out. He doesn't need us to jump on board so that he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. He can accomplish everything that he wants on his own. He does not need us for anything, but he wants you. Sylvie has to be fed. Sylvie has to be clothed. Sylvie has to be cleaned. Sylvie has to be held. She's been here a week. She really needs to step up and bring something to the table. <laughs> no. But we love her. We love her. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will remind us Who feeds you? Who clothes you? Who holds you? He's your daddy. He doesn't need anything from you. He just loves you. That's worth. That's worth. What Jesus modeled, find you a spot to where at least on a regular basis, as a part of prayer, I'm not telling you don't stop praying all day long. Yeah, you, you need to pray all day long. You can recognize God in all moments. You can be praying all day long. But don't you skip what was even so significant for Jesus when there has to be a moment when you slide the button. And for a few moments, your life goes into airplane mode. You may literally have to shut a door. But a moment where the outside world stops. And it's just you and your daddy who is crazy in love with you. We got anything to pray for? Yeah, we do. We got some folks in Florida this morning who would really appreciate some prayer. Got some folks in Houston who could still really use the prayers of God's people. In a few minutes, we're going to break and we're going to go into a next opportunity for us to together go into a, a study called Directions. We're going to intro it today. I'm encouraging you to stick around, check it out. They're cooking biscuits and gravy for you. I mean, come on. What, why would you not do that? That is of God, I would say, right? But you know what? We don't, we don't want to just go through. We don't want to just go through a book. We, we, we need to pray. We need to pray. We're meeting with God. 
We need to pray about a church start among the Ani people. We need to pray. Praise God for those teachers who were up here earlier. Thank God for people who will teach our kids. But come on, y'all. I'm, I'm looking at that group of people, and I'm going, you know what? That's not the full vision that God has given us for what needs to be dished out to our kids. Because we still have this picture of teams of people. That was, that was, you got teachers who have committed to teach our kids again, but we need teams of people who will surround them that we do this at a different level than we've ever done before. And I'm not giving up on that. I, I'm, I'm going to keep praying, and I'm asking you to keep praying that God would stir our hearts to see such a priority, that teams of people would come alongside these who stood up here earlier, and we would give our kids what our kids need to know. And then one more. Band, you guys can come if you want to. Band can come on up, and I'm going to show you this picture, one more picture. This is Miss Liz Gibbs, and Gideon got in the picture. That's a weird. That's her brother, um, Gideon. But Liz is, is one of our young missionaries who um, has already returned to Taiwan. She left last week. And I was going to tell you about it last week, but go figure. I wasn't here. Liz is uh, a part of the team that sometimes teaches English in the public schools, that whole crew. But she's gone back a little early this time because something happened last time a couple months ago when I was in Taiwan. I got introduced to a pregnancy center there. Um, I've never had the chance to meet them before, really hadn't ever got the picture, but is a place where moms can come and have their babies. Um, Sometimes those babies may be adopted through agencies or whatever. Sometimes those moms keep those babies, but it's a safe place for them to come and get help in terms of having their babies. I found out there's a dirty little secret that kind of filters through Taiwan. Because the estimates are that two out of every three babies in Taiwan are aborted. Two out of three. And nobody talks about it. Not even churches really talk about it. And I found out from this center that, that it's even difficult for them to get people to volunteer um, because just nobody really wants to deal with it, which I figure means even in the churches, it's probably something that's very prevalent. prevalent and it's just, and I mean, Jen and I were sitting there and both of us were just God going, okay, step. See, God has given us some relationships in Taiwan with multiple churches across that island. We're going to use those relationships that we've got to try to get some of those churches to begin to step up to the plate where they need to step up. And Liz has already gone so that she can be the first to sort of engage and figure out what can we do to help in that center to where we can begin to love on moms and share with them about Jesus and what can we as a church do. Isn't it wild what God keeps just putting in our lap? But don't be mistaken. We can get really busy. But we better have some time in airplane mode. Liz needs you to be in airplane mode for her. She needs you to be praying for her. She's cutting some new territory there. All those things we've mentioned. I'm encouraging you to pray. I'm encouraging you to pray. Normally, this is the moment I pray for you. 
today, I'm just going to encourage you to spend a couple of seconds, just like you did earlier. Um, and let's pray about some of these things. Pray for Liz. Pray for the church start. Pray for directions. Pray for our, our you know, kids' ministry. Pray for Hurricane. Whatever comes to your heart in this moment. Let's pray. And then we'll celebrate a little bit. We'll sing. Love you guys.